Welcome to the Just Be Real Sis podcast. I'm Dr. Angela. And I'm Candace. We believe that women can win together. We live boldly. We live authentically. We live unapologetically. And we encourage you to do the same. We understand the need for real conversations with diverse perspectives because we are more alike than we are different. We know that inclusion and honesty are our superpowers. The only requirement to join us. Just, just be, be real, sis. Welcome back to Just Be Real, Sis. How are you doing, Sis? Doing amazing. Excited about today. How are you? I am excited. We have been waiting on this guest. She's a special guest. So uh, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about who we have today? Okay, so listen, if you've never heard an episode of Just Be Real, Sis today, like this is the one. Go back and listen to the other ones. But this is amazing. The guest that we have for you today is nothing short of a powerhouse. Today on Just Be Real Sis, we have Kibi Anderson. So let me tell you just a little bit about Kibi because we could spend the whole show really just telling you the amazing things she's doing. But Kibi Anderson is an LA-based business executive, an Emmy award-winning producer with over 18 years of experience in strategy, business development, media, entertainment, tech, finance, and entrepreneurship. She was an executive role. She was in an executive role at Red Table Talk. She was actually the president there. She was head of digital strategy and business development for Bloomberg Media, senior manager and business strategy of operations for ABC News, and the vice president and business development manager for Broadway Federal Bank. So can we just take a pause? Because I want you all to understand how much this amazing woman has done. <laughs> Unfortunately, she was featured in Fortune Magazine in the year 2000 as a top talent to watch in the coming years and received her MBA from the NYU Stern School of Business and is a cum laude graduate of Harvard University, where she earned a bachelor's degree in East Asian Studies. So it's clear that Kibi shows up to the platform credentialed, but she is also an amazing person. Something I wanted to highlight from her bio, because she has all of the credentials, the Emmys, the education. She says that her goal has always been to expose the unexposed to different cultural points of view and to expand individual minds around what is possible. She wants to show people what they are capable of achieving, even with the most limited resources. That's beautiful. So welcome to Just Be Real, Sis Kibi. Thank you. Wow, I need to take you all everywhere I go. <laughs> My little hype team. No, thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here to chat with you all and to engage with your listeners. So that was well, your work. We just read it. So <laughs> thank you for putting in the work. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely been a journey, you know, good highs and lows as you know, as we all I'm sure can relate to, but definitely, you know, really um, just grateful, you know, for it all. I have to be honest, just grateful for it all. Awesome. Well, sis, let's talk about when we first met Kiwi. Yes. Yeah. So we have to say this, sister and I, we call each other sister Kiwi. So you'll hear us refer to each other as sister on the, on the platform. We went to a conference where Kiwi was actually one of the speakers and you know, there was other, Minda has been on the podcast. She was one of the speakers there as well. Yeah, and from the moment we, we met you, you know, you have people who show up and they have all of these uh, credentials and they're so successful and you never know what personality you're going to get. But we have to say that from the very moment we encountered you, you were open, you were gracious, you were warm and energy recognizes energy, right? 
So we were able to have lunch that day, discuss some of your projects, and it was just this instant type of connection. We knew then that we wanted to have another conversation with you. So since what was your impression that day? We were excited. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it was, first of all, it was a phenomenal conference. I mean, shout out to, Tim. Um, yeah, Tim, the Higher Purpose Network, you know, Money Power Success Conference. Um, it was a phenomenal experience. There were so many, I mean, separate from just people like you who are in the audience, obviously all of the women who spoke powerhouses, you know, Minda Hart, um, you know, the business doctor. I mean, there was just so many amazing women and that in itself was just such a gift, you know, because at times you don't always appreciate, you know, just how many amazing people and specifically black women are out there doing awesome things. So to have all of us in the same room and everyone was just so kind and so gracious, you know, there was no attitude, you know, nobody had any sort of sense of like, you know, um, competition or anything. So it was great. I had such a good time. It was my first time actually to the South, really like Mississippi. And I've been to like Texas and stuff, but like my first time really to the South. So that was also really cool. Um, as well. And again, I got to meet awesome people like you just, you know, in the room with your own sense of accomplishment, just trying to grow, trying to connect with other dope women. And you know, what more can you ask for? I mean, it was it was it was a beautiful weekend all around. It was so good. It was. I love when women do what they say they're going to do. Um, so they stand on stage and then they actually model that behavior. So Kibi welcomed us. We sat there and had lunch. Um, we also had Logan on the show. So we met Logan oh, at that time. Yeah. <laughs> We've been on her podcast. So just great connections. Like you said, just dope women all around. So um, well, Kibi, listen, we have so many questions that we want to ask you and we could spend all day talking to you. There'll probably need to be a follow-up episode, but <laughs> I, I just want to start and kind of go back and um, talk about you um, and your amazing work. So you went to Singapore at 16 and, and graduated from high school. And I think this is important to talk about because at 16, I have a daughter that's 16 years old. Um, how did that experience really shape your worldview um, after that? So can you talk to us a little bit about that? I know I'm going way back, but I just have to hear that story. Yeah. No, I mean, honestly, that probably was one of the most singular um, life-changing experiences I've ever had. I mean, it, it absolutely, to your point, changed my worldview. Um, you know, I'm from Seattle, Washington, and, um, you know, growing up in a city like Seattle, very progressive, but not a lot of color. <laughs> and, you know, kind of, Fortunately, though, the black community, especially back then, was really tight. So a strong sense of self, a strong sense of my history, my culture was really infused. Um, but because but and I think because of that, I felt very comfortable moving in different circles. So Seattle has a very large Asian population, a lot of Japanese, Vietnamese, um, Chinese, you know, so growing up, I spent a lot of time just kind of experiencing that culture. And I, I often joke, I said, oftentimes a lot of my adventures have been led by my stomach because I love food. <laughs> and Asian food is one of my favorites. Um, I grew up eating it all the time. We, one of my fun childhood memories is my mom would take me downtown to, um, to uh, Chinatown and we would go and have fried rice and I would get stickers. Like that was like the big thing <laughs> as a kid. So long story short, when I had the opportunity to apply to this program called the United World Colleges, 
um, which basically recruits young people from all over the world. You go and study at a university for two years or, or a college, quote unquote. But it, it's in essence the, the your senior year of high school and your first freshman year of college. Like that's kind of how it works out. Um, and they had 10 campuses throughout the world and one of them was in Singapore. And as, and as I said, I love food. And I had met this young lady from Singapore who had just talked about how amazing the food was. And I was like, okay, well, I want to see the world and eat amazing food. And so that's how I ended up there. Um, and I mean, it was, it was life-changing. I mean, especially being such a, at such a young age, you know, to go to another country, you know, Singapore is a, is a really unique place because in many ways it's kind of like America, like there's large Indian population, large Indonesian, Malaysian population, and a large Chinese population that are all kind of living together, plus all of these expats because it used to be a British colony. So coming to an environment like that, you just were exposed to so much differentness, but in a really amazing way. Um, Singapore is a fairly safe country. I mean, I'm sure people may have heard about, you know, some of their rules and very, very restrictive, but as a young person, you just felt safe. So I traveled all over the region, you know, China, Malaysia, Indonesia, the Philippines. I mean, at such a young age to be able to do that and to explore, um, it, it just rocks your world because you're able to really understand how big the world is. Um, and this is before social media where you kind of feel like you're connected more. Um, but, but honestly, how, how, how much we have in common. You know, I went to school with kids from Europe, from Africa, from, um, you know, Asia, Southeast Asia. And even to this day, some of these people are some of my closest friends. So that feels very empowering because anywhere in the world I go, I'm, I'm going to know somebody. And I can feel like I have a connection. So that experience while I'm there feels much more um, homey, you know, and just much more like authentic as opposed to just sort of going someplace as a tourist. So it was amazing. I mean, it definitely helped me think bigger for dreams. You know, I met a black family who was there who became kind of like a mentor of mine. And the father was actually like heading up all of the, the Asia region for this company called Lucent Technologies, which is no longer around. But, um, you know, before I had gone there, you know, I was just kind of like, oh, you know, I might go to a local state school, University of Washington, or, you know, an HBCU, because a lot of um, black kids from Seattle were doing that. And when I met him, he was the first person who kind of even opened my eyes to like this idea of Ivy League, this idea of going abroad and working, you know, thinking internationally. And so to um, Angela's comment in, in my intro, you know, that's really where a lot of my experiences that have influenced my work in media came from, because you really got a chance to just see how powerful media is in influencing perceptions of people. And living in Singapore for those two years was, was a big part of helping to define like my whole perspective, I would say, as, a, as an artist and a creative and a business person. Wow. So it shows that we have more similarities than we do differences. Mm -hmm. And I asked about the worldview and basically what you just shared with us is that now you have a global worldview. Yeah. Um, so, so what were you saying? Um, so no, it was actually like the perfect segue into the question I was going to ask next, because um, you understand how important it is to control the narrative, right? And you, mm -hmm. you become like this master of storytelling as you just exhibit it right there. And so you refer to yourself as a life editor. Mm -hmm. Talk to us about the meaning of being a life editor. <laughs> yeah, well, that's actually um, 
a uh, kind of like a side business that I, I had set up uh, called Your Life Editor. And it really came out of an experience I was having working with a lot of my friends and kind of colleagues who were potential, who were like thinking about doing something, maybe had a dream to try a different career or maybe try um, something they hadn't traditionally done and they were stuck. And, uh, you know, I use the term editor. I, you know, I, I'm, I am a film producer. I have a background in film. And um, one of the most powerful roles in the process of filmmaking is the editor because films are made and destroyed in the editing room. And one of the most powerful tools of editing is the fact that you can change the narrative. You know, you may have one ending if you cut it one way and another ending if you cut it another way. And so I've applied that to people's lives. And I was like, listen, you may have a narrative that you've set up in your mind or in, you know, your family or in the public, but there's no reason why you can't re-edit some of the experiences you've had to then allow you to move into these other spaces. So for example, one of my clients was a, you know, she was a tech CEO, you know, really, you know, she worked in finance and real estate, but she really wanted to write and she really wanted to just do fiction. And so for her, it was about helping her think through all of the reasons why she was saying she couldn't do it and really reframing her mind to understand that she could. And then from there, putting in place a specific plan. So we really worked on like accountability, like finding time during the day, you know, giving prompts to help her even just access a creative writing moment, even if it was just for, you know, two minutes on her phone, you know, she's gone on to start writing all kinds of other projects from that point on. So, uh, you know, I, I always say sometimes people get stuck, you know, and you have tons of experience, tons of, um, you know, just skills and credentials, and you just need to kind of have somebody help you re-edit it a little bit to help you get to kind of that next level. Well, you know, I love everything about that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know that's what you do. So <laughs> you know, people get unstuck. So that that makes me excited to see. Uh, yeah, doing that work like it's powerful. It's it's Absolutely. really really powerful. So Absolutely, it's awesome. Yeah, that is wow. So I have a follow up question to that because what you're talking about basically, you just told people to give themselves permission that you can forgive yourself, forgive your past. Life is not over. It doesn't matter the age. So I really hope our listeners took note of that. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, 40, 50, 60 years old, there can be a different ending. So I think that's really important. Absolutely. Um, so let me ask you this, KB, the root of indecision is really the fear of failure. Mm -hmm. um, talk with us about a time that you said yes, afraid and took a big risk. And I know one example that you shared with us was about when you left um, New York. So can you share that um, with our listeners? Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's the story of my life, to be frank. <laughs> Just kind of like taking a risk and not really sure what was going to happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, probably the most recent one was my experience um, kind of coming back to L.A. You know, I had spent about nine years working in New York. Um, having gone there to get my master's, you know, having had a very, you know, kind of successful career working in digital media. Um, you know, I was head of digital strategy and business development at Bloomberg. And I got a call from my, well, since I got a call, I, I was back in LA and I had coffee with a good friend who was working with the Smith family at the time. And so he was like, Hey, you know, have you ever thought about coming back to LA? You know, are you thinking, you know, what would you do if you were thinking about an entrepreneurial opportunity? And um, you know, I was like, hmm, okay, I haven't really thought about this, you know, but you think about very secure job, you know, 
very prominent company, you know, making great money, you know, great benefit, I mean, all of the above to kind of go over to an opportunity that was really um, undefined, you know, like there wasn't really a job description, <laughs> there wasn't really, you know, there was a phenomenal show, Red Table Talk, which over the course of my conversations had kind of come out because I started off as a fan of the show, to be frank, you know, it came, the first season came out and it, it, but it had such a powerful connection to the audience and a powerful um, movement was created. The, you know, the, the powers that Jada and the rest of the team began to realize, wait, there's something more here. What if we were to really invest in bringing somebody in to kind of help build that out? But there wasn't anything there, you know, and a lot of people were like, are you sure you want to do this? You know, and it's funny because at the same time as I was working and talking about their tabletop job, I was talking about it at Facebook. And, you know, Facebook is, I mean, despite all of their issues now, you know, Facebook at its core is a very, you know, successful company. You know, they pay well, you know, kind of same kind of thing. And so folks were like, are you sure you want to kind of go? But, you know, for me, it's all about the vision and the opportunity and the energy. And I really love what Red Table Talk stood for, um, you know, this, this idea of like having conversations that traditionally have been taboo. You know, I was really, really just um, encouraged by Jada's courage to kind of like go deep into some of her um, life, you know, which had historically been really, really sort of, you know, they had been really, really private. So for her to sort of open up her doors and talk about her relationship with Cherie, talk about her relationship, you know, with Gabrielle, talk about like that first season, there were some real powerful episodes. Um, I was like, you know what, this is a special, this is special. You know, you don't get a lot of opportunities like this to really be a part of building something that I, I really believed in and had, I knew, knew had the power to kind of change lives. So you take the risk, you know, and, and <laughs> you know, while, while I'm no longer with them, you know, the, the, the process of working to build out something that I believed in so much, you know, that I, like I said, had so much um, impact. I mean, just the letters and the emails we would get, you know, the notes, I mean, just, just, the, 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 just the thank yous for just being like, you know, a force in, I think, a world that has historically really ignored Black women and our voices and our needs. And, you know, this was, I think, one of the first um, brands, you know, and, and sort of experiences that was like, nope, we're going to put you forefront and we're going to make sure that people understand that your stories and your issues and your needs are just as important if not more important, because I think, you know, the world is saved by Black women, personally, in my opinion. Exactly. <laughs> Just put a Black woman in charge, and we'll be okay. <laughs> right. Did you send a text back to the people that said, are you sure, and say, yes, I'm positive now, once you get to LA? Because we, yeah. we all have those people in our lives, and we love them, and oftentimes it's our family and the people that we're closest to, that those will be the people every time. Are you sure? Uh, you really Definitely. Them? It's true, and, and to be frank, I mean, I actually, I was battling a health, because I have a chronic health condition and so you know even something as simple as like insurance you know folks is like are you right. sure you want to walk away you know mm -hmm. but again you just gotta you know you just gotta follow follow your um follow your vision for your life you know what i'm saying and for me uh it was i was excited about potentially coming back to california but like i said even more so excited about the opportunity just to build something because i've always loved the idea of entrepreneurship the idea of team building and really turning something that has magic into, you know, just the, the sky's the limit. Yeah, so like your risk, I have to tell you, um, sister likes to say all the time, it's not a moment, it's a movement. Yeah. And that's what your risk has become. 
because mm-hmm. now you know these red table talk discussions are happening all over the country all and to right. your point it was like that moment where black women said oh we're seen yeah it's our voice these yeah. are our topics and it was just like a refreshing addition you know to the landscape of of our narrative so thank you for taking the risk in spite of the other comments you did so like when you reflect over that time and the work that you put in at the show what do you think your greatest lesson was from that experience you know one of the things that i talk a lot about especially as i anticipate kind of like my next my next opportunity is the power of community. You know what I mean? And I often talk about this because I have a friend who basically her whole world is community. It's a company called People and Company. Her name is Bailey Richardson, phenomenal woman. Um, And so she and I were talking a lot about just like, you know, what is community? You know, how does it, how is it different from maybe what it was before? And what is it really gonna allow for companies in terms of value creation? And so, she says something really cool. So I'm liking this. I'm going to give her credit, but I, I always say it all the time. So, you know, you think about the last 15, 20 years, a lot of value was created when it comes to companies based on this idea of software as a service, SaaS, you know, so you have the social media platforms, you have, you know, basically a lot, I mean, really anything right now, when you think about service Uber and, you know, seamless, I mean, all those are really based on leveraging software to provide a service. Well, I believe, and she and I were talking about this, that the next 20 years, the driving force, I think, of value creation is actually going to be community as a service. So really understanding um, and being able to tap into how to build communities, how to talk to them, is what's going to serve as brands over time and companies specifically, because because the voice of the individual, especially if you bring a lot of individuals together that have a similar perspective or similar understanding is powerful. I mean, you even just look at what's happening, you know, when you talk, when you look at the protests that are happening right now and, you know, just the reality of people being like, no, I don't want to deal with this anymore. Like this is the last time, you know, and by the grace of God, I hope it is, but just the marshalling of that kind of energy has the power to change systems, to destroy, you know, systemic issues that have held communities back. And so I apply that, the same way on the positive side to, to sort of companies and like thinking through how you can build value creation. So that's one of the most powerful things that I think Red Table Talk taught me because the community was so powerful. I mean, I felt most of the time while I was there, like I was playing catch up because the community was already doing things on their own. You know, they were self-organizing. They were, you know, putting out, um, they were, you know, having people come together. To your point, they were having small circles where they could talk about these issues um, you know, we had this group called the RTTOGs who were women who had like launched kind of local Facebook groups on uh, online in their cities. So you might have like RTG, the Red Table Talk group in Memphis or in, you know, um, uh, Virginia, RVA area. And these women, when I tell you for free, like not being paid, were so dynamic and so powerful. And I was like, I just need to get a hundred more of you all to be able to help me grow this thing and really build on what we're trying to do. So that was something that I think was really powerful. And I think the other thing too was um, just the importance of kind of like alignment and really having a clear idea of like where you're trying to go. You know, I think 
when I first came on board with Red Table Talk, there were so many opportunities inbound, inbound. Everybody was trying to do something. Brands were calling, you know, book deals, you know, TV shows, digital stuff. And it can be overwhelming because you have something that's hot. And so how do you make sure you're allocating your resources and your time in the most appropriate way? And over the course of probably like my first six months, as I began to sort of really analyze, okay, where is like the real buckets of opportunity? What are Jada's priorities, you know, as, a, as sort of the creator of this? How can I leverage the other talent, Gammy and Willow? I began to really hone and I think being patient enough to allow for that process to happen was also a big lesson because the, because protecting the brand was so important. Our brand promise to our listeners was really, really important. You know, they trusted us, they would come to us, you know, people were so vulnerable in these communities. So I just wanted to make sure that I didn't um, disrespect that. And so taking my time and ultimately figuring out where to go next was another big lesson. So KB, when we first met, you, you spoke about the importance of your power circle and finding your tribe. How important has that been to this success we're talking about today? Yeah, I mean, it's been really, really important. I mean, when I was at the um, event where we met, the keynote, I mean, I talked about just the power of small circles. That's a really big, um, you know, sort of idea that I have begun I mean, spent a lot of time thinking about and began to even kind of put it into a format where I can begin to teach other people how to do what I did. You know, when I came out of college, I had a group of girlfriends and we called ourselves the divas. And so when we graduated, we, we just kind of had this idea because we're all sort of in different cities and trying to figure it out. We all decided to come together over a weekend and have a diva hustle planning session. That's what we ended up calling it. And we literally spent you know, dedicated time for each person who was kind of talking about their goals, where we all sort of poured into them. Okay, so, you know, if you're stuck, how do we sort of give you some strategies to move forward? If there's people you need to talk to, who can we kind of go to in our network? If there's money you need, you know, and it was so powerful because after the weekend, I'm talking about like an hour to each person, you know, we would literally block off, you know, time and then we would obviously do social, fun social stuff too. But it was the first time that I had really begun to think about leaning into a circle in a much more structured way. You know, you can always kind of pick up your phone and be like, hey, girl, you know, I'm trying to figure this out. But this was a very structured and we ended up doing it for four years. We would come together once a year, every year. And then we would kind of all walk away with like our sort of sections of our hustle plan. And then we would work the plan and then we would come back and then, you know, sort of check in, have accountability. And so from that experience, I began to, as I moved further and further in my career, amass other circles. And when I tell you, I mean, you know, I talk about the power of accountability, the power of difference, because the one, although when I came out of school, we were all kind of the same, you know, Harvard girls coming out. As I grew over, as I developed the, pro, the concept over time, I realized actually difference is important because you bring in different ideas, you bring in different networks, you bring in different experiences. And that's what is so rich when you're trying to figure out how to move to the next level. But, you know, I, I have a brain circle trust that I've been doing for the past, like probably like a year and a half. And, you know, just seeing the the product that has come out of this. I mean, people have launched businesses. They've grown from, you know, 500,000 to a million to 2 million in revenue. I mean, it's just, it's been really beautiful. And to be able to talk about the actual data in terms of results is what I've been really excited about. So That's I'm amazing. a huge proponent of that. And there is a discipline around it. 
Um, but it's been really instrumental in my success, definitely. Well, like, that's so good. Like, just what you said summarizes, like, so many things that Candace and I talk about as far as appreciating differences and different opinions. One of her big things is results. So, sister, I was expecting you to jump right in there when she's, because she's like, yeah. so what are we doing? Like, so what are we doing? KPIs, back to the power. Yeah. Yeah. Like, listen, I love it. it she's like, that make sense. And there has to be something that comes from it. So. All of that is amazing. And so hopefully our listeners are taken away from what you just said. Maybe hopefully they're motivated to create their own power circles mm-hmm. because you see, I mean, clearly it works and it's a powerful medium. So along those same lines, you talked about really you had conversations about how do I continue to press through the goals that I have and you have this circle around you that helps you. So let's talk about resilience because that's a topic that keeps coming up. especially with the current situation of our country. So how do you handle distractions or changes in your life plan? And like, what would you tell women who are currently experiencing like those shifts in their life right now? Definitely. Well, listen, I mean, I feel like I am literally actively living and breathing that right now, like I said, because I've been battling my own health issues over the last kind of year and a half um, in a more kind of like concentrated way. And, you know, it's like, no, 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 no. We supposed to be like going on panels and traveling to talk, you know, and do it all. Sometimes my body is just like, no, it's not. You're going to sit in this bed and like, you know, figure out how to get, how to heal, you know, how to change your, change your diet, you know, all the things I've had to really do. Um, it's not easy. I will say, especially for somebody who is so driven, um, you know, and who has very specific goals that they're trying to make happen. The one, there's a couple of things that I would say. One of the biggest lessons I've learned over time when I've been in situations where I was very uncomfortable and did not like it. And I was like, no, this is not what I had planned. But for whatever reason, because of, you know, good advice, keep your, keep your butt there or, you know, just circumstances, whatever the case is, what I've ultimately learned is that it was the best thing that ever happened to me. And so I think over time, as you begin to understand that you know detours or unexpected um, developments are not necessarily bad you know they actually help direct you and guide you on the path that you're supposed to be on so getting comfortable with being uncomfortable is one of the things that i've really had to work through and like i said it's not easy i mean i see a therapist you know i meditate you know there are a lot of things that i do to sort of navigate and manage that um, discomfort. But I think that's really what you are trying to deal with when you're talking about resilience. Do you have the capacity to navigate being uncomfortable, extremely uncomfortable, to the point where you're like, nope, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. Even though I may not understand where this is taking me, even though I may not understand why this is happening, you still keep going. You know, and I'm a Christian girl. I mean, my, my faith is extremely important to me as well. So, you know, the power of prayer, you know, the power of supplication, the power of just God. Okay, clearly your will, not mine. So let me just make sure I'm staying on that path too. But I would say the combination of those two things, I think has been really, really powerful. And then as you get, as, like I said, as you kind of get a track record, you're like, oh, okay, well, I've been here before. Let me just keep going, you know? So that's the beauty of getting older. You know, it's funny. I used to always joke. I said, it doesn't get easier. 
when I talk to young girls and I'm talking about life and navigating, you know, corporate America, relationships, health, whatever, it doesn't get easier. You just get better at managing it. You know what I'm saying? You just get better at knowing when to cut your losses much more quickly than to stay in something where you realize, nah, this isn't for me anymore. I need to move. So that I think is where the wisdom comes into play. Um, but it doesn't get easier. It doesn't. And, and you just got to continue to remind yourself that you are a child of God, that you have people that love you, that you are worthy of all the things that are coming to you. Say it as a mantra. And, you know, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of gratitude. So also staying in a space of gratitude as well, just so you realize, okay, it may not be what I want, but I'm grateful for what I have. And I know this is going to take me to where I want to be. That's so good. Sister always says, you know, when you wake up, it's not what you have to do, but what you get to do. Yeah. Um, and I love that. And when you talk about tapping into your strength, I'm the same way. So Kibi, I don't know if you know, but I have triplets. Oh, and, okay. Yeah. You talked about your children, but you didn't say that you had triplets. Yeah. Wow. And, okay. And so it's this running joke with all of my friends. They're 16 years old, but I always say I had three babies in one day. But what, <laughs> that, but what that is, is a reminder. I got through that. God got me through that. So guess yeah. what? Whatever I'm facing, Oh, this is nothing. I had three babies in one day. What, yes. what you got, world? So yes. Yes. Um, I, I just really agree with that. Um, let's go a little deeper. So you talked to, you know, somewhat about this, but when you're faced with disappointment, doubt, or fear, because we've all been there, what is your first move? You know, my first move is, well, it's probably two things. My first move is to pray. Because like I said, I have like a very specific scripture that I often meditate on, you know, do not worry about anything. It's to pray about everything, you know, take God, you know, take God, I'm butchering this, but I know, you know, take God, I mean, ask God for what you need and he will supply your needs, you know, be clear in supplication. So that's something that I kind of meditate on whenever I'm in a space where I'm feeling, like you said, scared or disappointed. Um, the second thing is, honestly, I go to my circle. You know what I mean? I feel like that because that's because oftentimes when you're scared or when you're disappointed, it's because your perspective needs to shift because mm -hmm. you're focused on what can go wrong as opposed to what can go right. Or, you know, you're feeling down because you feel like you didn't you weren't good enough or whatever the case is. And when I go to my circle, my girlfriends, guy friends, you know, whoever else. And they remind you of like where you've come from, what you've done, you know, it's easy then to begin to realize, okay, what's for you is for you and what's not is not, you know, I believe everybody runs their own race. And that is a bit of advice. I would tell everybody who's listening, run your race. Do not get caught up in trying to be like someone else or do what you see somebody doing on Instagram. I mean, everybody's race is different and it's just as worthy as somebody else's, you know what I mean? And so when you begin to be reminded of that, and that's why that circle is so important, you know what I'm saying? They say the quality of your life is determined by the, the five people who are closest to you. You know what I'm saying? So making sure that that circle is really, really tight. It, again, it, it just sort of gets you back to like your center. It gets you back to, you know, a state of, 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 um, of a confidence, you know, and I'll be honest, one of the other things that has worked for me in the past is journaling, just because when you go back and you see how far you've come or you see what may have scared you, you know, a couple years ago, six months ago, and then you realize, oh, wow, I'm like doing it and times 10. Um, it's good. I am not as good with that practice, to be honest, like I need to really get back into it just because of some of the stuff I'm dealing with now. But that is 
a really, really good tool, whether that be a gratitude journal and on top of that, just sort of talking about what you're scared, like talk about it. I think the worst thing is to not talk about it because you begin to think you're the only one dealing with it, you're the only one managing it. And it can really turn your whole mindset into one that's very negative. But if you talk about it and you realize, oh, okay, so this is how I can do this or you, you went through this and it wasn't as bad, it just helps alleviate a lot of stuff. That's so good. We don't talk enough as black women. We do not talk enough as black women at all. Well, so were you on the, have you been like on the phone with us? Like, <laughs> like every day? Like, I mean, you know, you, you and Anderson, so you know, we, we like, you know, we like sisters in life anyway, so. <laughs> is she, does she have our phones? <laughs> like, what's going on? That's the connection. That's the connection. Yes, because we have these moments, key beware, and we do it for each other and we do it for other women, where you come you know, into an opportunity and you're walking to this room that maybe nobody else in the room looks like you or you've never been in this space before. And sister said countless times to me, she was like, I know you're excited about going into that room. But guess what? The people in that room, they're excited about you. Like, do you know where you are? Yeah. Do you know what you know? Like, yeah. and so you're right. Like your circle pours into you. They're like, they help you get the rally cry, right? You're like, yeah, yeah like, yeah. Well, that's who I am. <laughs> They remind you, but like I said, you gotta have yep. the right circle because <laughs> you don't yes. get the you get okay. the downers or the who like no, you can't do that and that kind of stuff. So you gotta just learn how to eliminate that. But no, it's so true. Yeah, it's so yeah. true. And, and it's funny because even when, for example, like in my positions of leadership at my in my jobs, when I've had to like maybe let somebody go, you know, and that's really really tough, you know, because I, you know, who wants to tell somebody that they're fired? Mm -hmm. But even in that way, as I began to reframe it, I was like, you know what? this isn't the opportunity for you. Like this, you are not gonna progress and use the skills and the gifts that you have in the way that you, 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 you deserve to. So let me release you from this so you can then move and find an opportunity that's gonna be able to give you more of what you need. And that really helped me just kind of understand, you know, the process of releasing, you know, and doing things that are kind of hard. Yeah. Um, in many ways, you have to just accept that again, what's for you is for you, you know, what space is for you, you know, and right. it, it's going to be for you. So you're talking about being a leader yourself. And you know, that's, you're showing up for other people. Like, what is some of the best advice that you've gotten from one of your mentors that mentors. you carry with you? Yeah, definitely. Um, what's so funny, <laughs> one of my mentors, uh, when I first moved to LA, his big advice was keep your butt in LA because I had been traveling so much, you know, I had lived in all these countries, lived, you know, just moved up around for most of my, you know, my kind of college and childhood years. He was like, and, and he was like, stay in LA. And the reason why he was saying that he was like, you need to build some roots. Like you need to build a network. And for me, especially working in the entertainment industry, um, which, you know, is all about relationships. I've often, I mean, usually when I talk to people, especially young, young people, I say, you know, the power of your network, the power of relationships, like, please invest in that. You know, it's so important um, because to be frank, I don't think I've ever like literally like submitted a resume for a job. I mean, like, I think I've, every job I've gotten has been because somebody picked up the phone and called me, you know, or I was talking to a colleague and they were like, hmm, this could be interesting. And then it ultimately turned into something that was really, really good for me. Um, the other bit of advice that I have been told, and this is really more of a sales thing, is there's no such thing as no. And people talk to me all the time because they're just like, God, you always just walking in a room as though, you know, you got it and it's got to happen. And I say, yeah, because 
And no such thing as no. It may not be, it may be not right now. It may not be, well, you haven't positioned this in the right way to make it interesting to me. Or it could be, I'm not the one, but there's somebody else who might be a better fit for this opportunity. So knowing how to not take whenever you get rejection personally is really powerful. And within that, understanding that, okay, you know what? I might just need to rework this a little bit for it to make sense for you. But that has been so key because what it's allowed me to do is to create opportunities that didn't even exist. Because, you know, I mean, I would say like, I mean, even with Red Table, like I wrote my job description, you know, like I, my, a couple of my other jobs, you know, I came in and I was like, mm, nope, this is an opportunity here. I think you should pay me this, give me this title, give me this responsibility, you know, in a room full of men with my little PowerPoint and it worked out, you know, so it's about, um, keeping an open mind and not telling yourself immediately, oh, no, they'll, they'll never say yes. Oh, oh no, they'll, ne they'll never say no. You know, I'm sorry, oh, they'll never approve this or whatever the case is. Because that's what I think has helped me have some of the amazing experiences I've had. Wow. So, you know, understanding your worth, too, and what you bring. I think this is a common thread as we talk to different leaders. Yes. Um, wow. Yeah, you know, because you you just said, I, you know, again, we talked about this earlier and editing your life. You said, I've decided I'm going to write my job description. So I hope people are really taking this in because this is just, I mean, it's great advice. It really is. Yeah. Um, so Kibi, you've described yourself as colorful, authentic, and a visionary. Um, how do you stay true to you? And tell us more about those descriptions, if you would. Yeah, colorful. Uh, well, I just love color. <laughs> you see my little, like, little, you know, leopard skin and all that kind of stuff. A little pop of color cha changes things. Um, and I've always felt that way. You know, being from Seattle, it's, very, it's a very um, vibrant city in terms of just the greenery. You know, it's all, you know there's just tons of rain. And, you know, so although it definitely has a reputation of being gray, when you get down to it, when the spring comes around and when summer comes around, it's full of color. You know, living in Asia, I mean, traveling to India, you know, China, I mean, just color is like just such a powerful thing and it can really impact your mood. So for me, it's all about sort of showing up and living in color. So that way people can experience, you know, all of you. Um, authentic, you know, I don't know how to be any other way, to be honest. Like I've always been this way. You know, I, I think it's what, what, what has helped me become a good storyteller because, you know, I'll see you know, a guy, it, I'll never forget, I was in um, Union Square Park in New York and this gentleman, African man, you know, beautiful man, but he was wearing, you know, like a, um, a city uniform and was sweeping, you know, and he was like, you know, doing his thing. And I just happened to sort of strike up a conversation with him. I have no idea how. Turns out he had been this amazing artist in, in France, had like had all of this amazing career, had like met this woman, married her, come to America, that didn't really work out, kind of falling on hard times. You know, he was doing this job just because he was like, I'm gonna, you know, I wanna make sure that I'm taking care of myself. And I was just like, this is fascinating. You know, just a man who's sweeping the street. And I think because I just showed up and to your point, saw value in him, you know, just as much as I might see value in somebody who's rolling in a bins, it, it, um, it enriched me, you know? And I think having, being able to have those kind of authentic exchanges it has been so um, influential in helping to develop my character that to show up any other way just feels very um, unnatural. You know what I'm saying? Um, and then visionary, you know, I, I just, <laughs> like I said, I mean, my whole career has been about 
starting with nothing and seeing where it can go. As a producer, you start with you know an idea in someone's head or maybe some words on a page, and you turn that into an ultimate end product. You know, with music and actors and you know editing and all that kind of stuff. And I really, really love that. You know, I've always dreamed of um, having an impact on the world that is kind of substantial. Um, and what what that means, you know, I don't know in terms of like actual actual execution what you know it could be something as simple as you know helping somebody through this podcast you know do something or maybe make it take a risk that they weren't really willing to take but at the end of the day it's all about vision you know the bible says write the vision make it plain you know what i'm saying and in that way i've always um leaned into that because it gives you a sense of like it allows you to execute your purpose in a much more um, consistent way. If you don't have vision, you don't really know where you're going. And, and not to say that the vision can change and that things are gonna influence it, but kind of leaning into the vision that you're able to see just gives you a sense of, okay, what's the next step? Even though you may not know where the, the ultimate steps are, let me just sort of stick to this next step. And then the universe conspires. I'm a huge, I believe wholeheartedly, a made up mind, the universe conspires to support it. So as long as you start with your vision and are able to move, the rest of the, the, the energy and the people and the resources will come. Wow, we are definitely related. I'm, I'm convinced because <laughs> all of us. <laughs> you know, she, you touched on living out loud, you know, living your life in color. That is just beautiful in itself. And then we talk about authenticity all the time. And I, I say to people, listen, that is actually the one unique thing you have that, that makes you who you are. Like, that is it right there. Yeah. We're all perfectly imperfect. You know, none Absolutely. of us, you know, we, and, it, and you can, the quicker that you can accept that, uh, I think that that's just, it's just a great place to be. And again, you said that this earlier, it comes with age. Mm -hmm. You know, I think until I turned 40, I wasn't in that place. I wanted to be the superwoman, the super mom and do it all. And I'm just like, that's not realistic. And, you know, this, you're going to get Candace today. I mean, this is just who it is. And so yeah. I'm going the way to be. That's real good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, that was yeah. just so beautiful. So this, this time has flown by so fast. We're almost at the end. I can't even believe it's since we're already almost at the I end. Know. I know. I know. I want you to... Um, and you can think about it, but I want you to choose one word that you want associated with your legacy. Oh, that's a good one. Um, well, I mean, so the word would be probably, well, it's two words, but like wealth creation. Um, and I say, I say that because for me, you know, working in business, you know, being an entrepreneur, kind of telling our stories, in a way that allows us to show the magnitude of what we do. You know, I was talking to a girlfriend of mine the other day and she was saying, you know, unfortunately so many people's introduction to black people is slavery, you know, and they don't know the mm. immaculate, huge contributions that precede, you know, that. And then on top of it, you know, even during, you know, slavery, Jim Crow, you know, moving into civil rights era, all of the contributions that we've made as people of color in terms of inventions that we've created. I mean, just especially white America, like they just, their introduction to slavery, like that's all they see. And so for me, wealth creation, quote unquote, is not just about money. It's about, you know, richness in our history being shared, richness in our 
understanding of our cultural and economic and social power. You know, I have this movement that I've been thinking about a lot, which is I want to create 100 Black billionaires before I leave. And for me, it's really about, like I said, definitely the money, intergenerational wealth, all that stuff, absolutely. And when I hear about some of the tragic stories of Black people back in the day who have lost wealth because of racism, because of, you know, just institutional reasons, um, it breaks my heart because despite it all, you think about Tulsa, you know, despite everything, Black Wall Street, I mean, you enslaved us, you didn't let us read, you didn't let us vote, you didn't, I mean, and we still built a vibrant, wealthy community. I mean, that just says so much about who we are as a people. So to be able to tap into that more holistically and to make sure that that story is told and also has actual KPIs connected to it, like, no, there are 100 Black billionaires in this world now because of the work that I've been able to do. There are 13 now, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, it's, it's, it's a big, hairy, audacious goal, but that's how I began to sort of structure my life because if, you, if, you, if, if this is something you can accomplish and solve in your lifetime, you're not dreaming big enough. That's the way I think about it. So it's about laying the foundation, doing what I can, but obviously planting the seeds for other people to be able to take the work um, and take the mantle and keep going. So, yeah, so, so long answer to your question, but hopefully that, uh, that gives you a little bit of insight into what I'm thinking about for legacy. Listen, I don't want this conversation to end. You're talking about black billionaires. Listen, yes. I, I, we could have this conversation all day. So tell our listeners what projects you're currently working on and how um, they can support and follow you. Yeah, definitely. Well, I um, like I said, I'm 100 Black Billionaires is something that I've been thinking about more so as a collective um, community based movement that's kind of tied to some sort of technology app experience that would really be focused on um, advancing, you know, financial literacy at, at kind of all the various levels. So you sort of have the basic person who maybe doesn't know how to deal with their credit all the way to, you know, that entrepreneur who's trying to go from half a million to a million or a hundred million to a billion, that kind of thing. It's very early and I've been having conversations with a lot of people in the space to kind of think through it, but that's definitely sort of an area that I've been percolating on. Um, and to be honest, and this is something I was telling somebody else, right now, and you know, when I talk about the pandemic um, having kind of a double-edged sword, obviously it's been very tragic, all the lives that are being lost and the, uh, you know, economic, you know, destruction and, you know, small businesses closing, which is horrific. But at the same time, it's allowed, I think, people like me, time to just kind of slow down and to take space to really ask yourself what's important. What are you doing for yourself that's healthy? What are you doing for yourself that's destructive? So I'm actually being still right now, to be honest. You know, I mean, my time at Red Table Talk and previous, I mean, I literally left my job at Bloomberg on a Friday and started Red Table Talk on a Monday moved across country, you know, was flying back and forth. I mean, and then, you know, you're launching a startup, building a team. It was a lot of, it was stress. And right now I am really thinking about how do I do it a little bit differently? You know, like I said, I have a chronic autoimmune condition. So that's something I have to navigate. You know, I engage, you know, sort of thinking about moving into, you know, being in a much more traditional family structure. It's a lot when you're trying to figure that stuff out. And sometimes you just got to give yourself space to just sort of ask those questions. So I kind of said the next six months, three to six months, I was just going to allow for the space for me to just do that. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of pressure, you know, and I think we don't get those opportunities a lot, especially as black women to just kind of do that. So I'm very grateful. Um, 
but you know, I mean, you know, I'm always, I'm always percolating, you know, maybe something in the entertainment industry, again, back in producing, we wrote a big letter to the, I was a part of writing a big open letter to Hollywood about how they can more effectively support black and brown producers and make sure that, um, you know, there's, there's those opportunities. So that's something I'm actively working on with a, a nonprofit I'm on the board of just really trying to, you know, do my part as it relates to creating more, more, more equity and inclusion, you know, at the table for, for other artists and filmmakers as well. Awesome. Yeah, I think awesome. that's awesome. Like we've referred to this time as a divine reset. It's the opportunity for us to reevaluate and yeah. figure out where we go next. Yeah. And so it's, it's actually a gift that we have this time to stop and connect and breathe and yeah. see one another and figure out our next steps. And so um, to your point, I think it's important that we do embrace this time, just if, as you just described, um, and appreciate it for what it is. It's an opportunity to do things in a different way and in a way we've never seen before. Yeah. So, so, um, yeah, that was amazing. Thank you. Yeah, but I will say, follow me on Instagram, Kibi Anderson. I'm at Kibi Anderson everywhere. Facebook, Instagram, you know, Snapchat, K-I-B-I Anderson. So you can stay connected to some of the stuff I'm working on. Awesome. Well, thank you, Kibi. This has been wonderful. Sister, so I mean, listen. So good. To go back and, and listen to this and take some more notes. I have so many notes here. There's so many <laughs> So many gems. Thank you so much for your time today with us. No, thank you. Like I said, I love, first of all, you two are amazing. And to your point, oh, you both have said, I feel like there's a kindred connection that precedes all of this and will, you know, continue on no matter where we are in the world and what we're doing. And, um, you know, I just appreciate the work. You know, it's not easy to do something every week or every other week, you know, when it comes to putting together a podcast, pulling all the different pieces together. You got your moms, you're working, you know, all that kind of stuff. So these conversations are so important, you know, I think among within our communities. And I just applaud you both for, you know, taking a leadership role and making sure that they continue you know, and you bring people to the table. So I appreciate you. I, this was so much fun. And, you know, it's just an honor to be able to be um, a guest, you know, in the mix of what you all are creating and building. Well, thank you so much. Like we get to meet amazing women like you. And so, you know, it's a treat for us and uh, it'll be a treat for our listeners. So we cannot thank you enough. We cannot tell you how much we appreciate you because we believe that time is currency. Yes. So when someone shares that with us. We are very grateful for that. Um, and we don't take it lightly. So it, it has absolutely been our pleasure to have you here. So we <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, good stuff. All righty. Thank you both. Don't forget to subscribe and share so we can grow this movement. If you have show ideas or would like to be considered as a special guest, you can email us at justberealsis at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at justberealsispodcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. As always, remember to serve first, stay encouraged, be kind, and just be real, sis.